2: Live. Welcome to Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast with Dave Nelson and the other guy.
1: Man, my, my head's bobbing to that. It's been so long since ah, I heard that music.
2: That music sounds so good. I love that so music. So
1: familiar. In fact, I need to get that. Art, uh, you got that from iTunes. It was one of the free deals.
3: Is that right?
2: Something the like group? that. This is we uh, need to acknowledge safe, that group. Podsafe music. I, I might look them up during the show and say thank you, thank you. Uh, but hey, we are the cellar dwellers, and here we are back in uh, late January after quite the hiatus. Not only that, we've been off for a long time. And I am Dave Nelson, and you are... The other
1: guy. The passionate one.
2: 2008. How?
1: 2008. Election
2: year. 2008. I do not know.
1: You know what I think we should do? We should send cases of our homemade wine to
2: to all the candidates, and and then have a debate. That's ah, what I'd like in to other say. words, they drink a the case some, of wine, and then they
1: debate. And we might get some honest answers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Do, oh, Hillary, no.
3: what do you think? I don't
2: know. I think Barack Obama. Okay, now don't go there. <laughs> we, could, we could do a whole show on. We could
3: do a whole we could show do our own, on.
2: Our own, uh, you know, debate. No, 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 let's not go there. Hey, it is so uh, so good to be back, and there is so much to talk about here. Uh, you know what? Uh, champagne. Champagne? Champagne? Champagne. How did
1: you go from Barack Obama to Champagne? Well,
2: i got to say, one of the great gifts I received over the, uh, uh, the holidays was this book called Uncorked, ah. which is actually not about you. It's about the history of Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> and it is from uh, <laughs> I Alpha that was King. My biography. It, well, <laughs> it might be dual purpose. I've only gotten part way into it, but uh, it is the science of champagne. And Alpha King sent us this. Oh my God! And I must say, the it's first I'm seeing it. Okay, uh, here is just. Uh, uh, there's so much. That to, is fabulous. We, we've got too much to talk about here, and we planned too little. But do you know why? Just a little trivia that I've learned so far from this book. Why smaller bubbles are associated with finer champagnes there's a the real scientific reason to that. You know this.
1: gosh, I know we we did a great couple of shows on champagne last year and I I always associated fine champagne with really fine bubbles but I have to be honest, I don't know the relationship.
2: All right, so here's what it is. And and I actually found this to be absolutely fascinating. Um it turns out that um that uh, I, I, by the way, I got to say, I had a bottle of Dom Pérignon back in I think this is about 1991, and that had the finest, smallest bubble. unbelievable, it amazing. It
1: was like cream. It was just, it was one of the most fabulous things I've ever okay, had. Okay, but
2: here's what it, what it really comes down to, and and maybe I'm going to learn more as I read into the book, but the basics are this: uh, a, a brand new champagne is very carbonated, and so when you first open it up. Lots of bubbles, big bubbles. They come right, up very quickly. Like soda pop. Right. It turns out that the better champagnes are kept longer, and the pressure slowly bleeds out from the cork, and the bubbles therefore become smaller over time because some, some of the carbon dioxide has outgassed, if I can say that. And so it's not so much that the smaller bubbles make the finer champagnes, but that finer champagnes are kept longer, they're older, and therefore, they have smaller bubbles. And so I think this is a mixing of cause and effect. Isn't that... So let... Wait a minute. Isn't let that me, let interesting? Me, let, me,
1: let me see if I hear yeah, you correctly. Fire,
2: fire away. And I think I do. <laughs> Once again, you're about to launch into a large argument and, and contradict everything that I've... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's, uh, that's You know what? Well, no,
1: After
2: this is show what fifty nine, the patterns are becoming clear. Number
1: one in Todd, 2008
2: Take it away. But so you're telling me that if you made
1: Dom Perignon and you made oh you know Corbel or you know just
2: Corbell's not bad. No, but, you for, know, for, for the money, for I less I than love $20, it. twenty dollars a great champagne. I, I
1: actually love it. But and and you made them in the same vintage and one year later or a year eighteen months later, you tasted them both. You're telling me that. Basically, the bubble size would be the same. We're going to get Alpha King on in this a little later. But, and you're saying that it's, it's only age, that the bubble size would be the same.
2: You know, and, I'm not gonna, I, and
1: I'm not arguing. I'm just
2: clarifying. I'm not going to be pinned down to that it's only age. But I will go with at least what I'm learning so far from yeah, the book. And okay. I, I've, I've only gotten into the first you know, few chapters, but it is actually primarily age.
3: God
1: and bless just
2: anybody making
1: champagne, because as we oh, learned last is year, such
2: a complicated, that is process. so
1: laborious. And uh, God bless everybody. And we, uh, Alpha King, had sent us some, and uh, we had some some fabulous homemade champagne. And my hats off to anybody that attempts that and actually comes out with a sparkling wine like that is incredible to me.
2: Amazing. Good job. So Good I. I, I think the, uh, the bottom line there is, I mean, this sort of makes sense to me, that uh, finer champagnes are kept longer and the bubbles are going to be finer. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to jump all over the place, but um, I think we owe um, we, we promised a, a, a prize to whoever answered the trivia question. And By the way, we, did we ever get the wine out to people we promised? Uh, no, no, no. Right? We've still got a lot of wine to oh. ship, so help me out with this passionate one. All right. We're going to ship some I'm wine, including to the winner, of the last trivia question. And I I can't even remember um, (laughs) exactly what it was, was? but it was one of these two questions. Who won the 58 World Series? No, it's either, um, which of the following likely describes uh, a wine made from Cabernet Franc grapes? Or, what is generally considered the inspiration for the original Champagne Coupe Glass? And um, David Kroll wrote in with the right answer. On both of these, it turned out to be that the answer was B. And David sent in the answer B. And so I'm not sure which question he was. And it's been too long. But But David won anyway. Yeah, David won. It's B, regardless of which one of these (laughs) two. Because I know we were talking about both of these. So it turns out that the inspiration for the original champagne coupe glass. That was the question, by the way. Well, that was Marie Antoinette's breast. That was that was a question. good question, but the other question was about... Really? The, that's really that's, that's the correct that's answer? Uh, if if this, this game, which is called oh my Wine gosh, Smarts, I love Champagne now. Not yet a sponsor, but hopefully they will be soon. Uh, if they're right, it, uh, the original Champagne coupe glass was Marie Antoinette's breast, but actually I to, my vote says this was the question we were asking, and of course we could rewind to the podcast to listen to it, but uh, which uh, describes a wine made from Cabernet Franc grapes, and the answer was plum, jam, and citrus. So uh, we asked that before. No, the, the David, whether you were talking about Marie Antoinette's breast or about plum, right, jam, and citrus, you win. And so uh, David, a.k.a. Norm, send us uh, your mailing address, and we owe you two bottles. I think we promised two bottles of... Uh, frankly, probably the best varietals mm. we have ever. And, in fact, not even varietals, vintages. In fact, not even vintages, because we're mixing grapes and years and all that kind of stuff with our super master blend and our semi-master blend. And But we will... Ninety-five percent.
3: Uh, well,
1: yeah, one percentage. or the
2: other. Yeah. So um, congratulations, congratulations to uh, David slash Norm, who... So the, the,
1: the, the wine... Flute,
2: or what, what? What were you calling the wine goblet? What's, What's the, the champagne? They called it the champagne, champagne coupe. C O U P E. I think that's coupe. Is that? Is coupe? that? Would that be the wide yeah, champagne uh, glass? Well, that, that, I hope it's not one of those real long narrow. Because <laughs> <that>, Marie <laughs> Antoinette was one weird-looking chick.
3: <laughs> if that. <laughs> No wonder
1: there
2: was a frickin' revolution! <laughs> Holy crap! Don't don't think too hard about that. I don't think we're talking about the
3: flute here. <laughs> Whoa, oh, good lord!
2: Man. We try to run a family Whew. show. <laughs> Off with our head! <laughs> so, Alpha King, I gotta say, thank you, thank you for the uncorked. That is science of champagne guess. by Gerard liget Belair. Uh, who, by the way, is a physicist of all things.
3: Wow.
1: And,
2: you know, leave it to a physicist to start thinking about why champagne bubbles and how bubbles actually form and why they go in lines. And so I'm going to learn a lot more about champagne. That's a very cool book. Thank you. It's very cool, and it's a beautiful gold, you know, and they're not even sponsors yet. So this is, we're just talking about stuff we love. Well, that that, passionate. Passionate about. that was the, the last
1: show question, because I, I remember distinctly the uh, Marie Antoinette breast
2: option. I'm just option. glad that the answer was B either way, so we didn't have to about Even if it was it. wrong, I'd say he was right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like your thinking. Okay, so uh, remember, we're the cellar dwellers, and the more you drink, the better we sound, right? Right. Unless, so of course, you are Eli Manning. Uh-oh. Listening to this show on your iPod, probably actually he'd be listening on an iPhone and not the three hundred dollar model, but the four hundred dollar model. While you're, you know, at Super Bowl Sunday, quarterbacking your team on a comeback drive against the Patriots, not that we're, you know, sort of revealing our loyalties here, but uh, if that's you, Eli, you know what? Don't drink while doing that. Just no, let us sound, stay focused. Let us stay sound bad, okay? But the rest of you. The more you drink, the better we sound. All right, so tonight, uh, what are we tasting? We're tasting mm, a few oh, great well, things tonight. First of all, we've got to thank Jerry. Uh, and Jerry, 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 Jerry's not out there, but maybe he'll be listening on the uh, podcast. Jerry sent us this phenomenal Cabernet Merlot blend, Alexander Valley 2006, 14.5% alcohol. Mm. And it is from the Pampa, can I say all the names here? I, I hope. Pampa Family Winery, and look at that beautiful label. He sent us two bottles. Each one had a unique label, a beautiful gold. What, what do you call this part up here over yeah, the that's top? That's a great question, the we, gold foil should, over uh, the neck
1: of the bottle. I don't know, and over the, over
2: the cork. The cork holder. There's
1: got to be a name for that.
2: I'm sure there is, and maybe one of our listeners will quickly <laughs> type us the answer in the chat here on TalkShoe so we can uh more I've never more known what you've called that thing. I'm not sure either, but... Um, Jerry, uh, spectacular, and uh, we haven't opened this bottle yet because we actually have. I'm three gonna grab. I want to see the. You know how passionate
3: I
1: am. Oh, about you're labels. passionate
2: about labels. Yes. I think we well, didn't we talk about a label um, contest here? We did indeed. Which reminds me about. Um, I must say, uh, let's let's just talk a brief amount about one of our sponsors. The, the other products we've been talking about here, they're not uh, actually sponsors, but. Um, This is Winemaker Magazine, and we we love these guys. We read this. Um, There's so much interesting in this, let alone the articles. Let me just touch on three things that they mention in here. There is a Winemaker Magazine conference in Sonoma County, California, on May 16th and 17th.
1: Oh, would that be fun to go to? The
2: conference just for you, the hobby winemaker. Join your fellow winemakers from across North America in the heart of Northern California's wine country, for two full days packed with 30 seminars and special events to help you make your own great wine. Uh, check it out at winemakermag.com conference. I've been looking at this, and I think we should talk very seriously about going to this. I know we haven't really talked about this before the show. That... Uh-
1: I just got which Check. which this issue is, is
2: this? I this just got the, the most recent one for January. This is the January. December January issue. There's six uh, there issues.
1: Is, there is one out since this. That just came Oh, out. did the
2: uh, yes. did I miss the February March issue coming out?
1: You you did. It just came out.
2: By the way, if you're joining us live or you're listening to the recording, this is Seller uh, Dwellers on TalkShoe.com. We are show ID number 18. We do this Tuesday nights. Uh, generally every other Tuesday. Eastern Time at uh, you know, 9 o'clock, and uh, we'd love to have you join us. And In fact, I see Silver Wings has just just called in, so I'm actually, Silverwings, I'm going to put you on the air here with a quick unmute and welcome you to the show. And I, By the way, David, I'm glad you could join us, Alpha King, Carly29 on the first show, Reloader, but uh, Silver Wings, welcome to the show.
0: Hey guys, so, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year to you.
2: Where is Silver Wings from?
0: South Florida, Pompano Beach.
2: Oh, and do you make wines Fantastic.
0: down there? Yeah, yeah I've, uh, I've uh, been uh, listening to the show for a while, and uh, I've been making wine for a couple of years.
1: Really? Now, I, I, you know, I'm going to be moving to, to Arizona this summer, so are you buying frozen uh, juice and making it like uh, midwinter, like now, January, February? Yeah,
2: okay, how do you deal yeah, with the I, temperatures
1: uh, there?
0: Well, uh, I, I get the grapes from Brem. Um, yeah. I've been ah. doing that For last couple of years, and uh, basically for for keeping the the grapes cool enough to, after the fermentation's over, uh, I put it in secondary, and I've got refrigerators where I use uh, thermostat controls and just basically keep it at a solar temperature throughout the secondary and and uh, you know for the whole life of the aging. And you make what, like fifteen to twenty five gallons in a year? That's about right. I'm trying to work my way up to 30 and uh, and get into a barrel, you know, a half
1: barrel size. That would boy, that, that would be great. Do you just do it in carboys now, and do you add some
0: oak, or what? And what kind of wines of uh, grapes have you been using? Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, the grapes have been mostly the Bordeaux varietals, Cabernet Merlot, uh, sometimes some Zinfandel, and uh, a little bit of Syrah this year. I got mixed in, and I mm. do some blending generally. Um, I use I don't use carboys for that amount um it's a little more difficult i use uh i use like a 15 gallon stainless steel kegs actually oh uh, old, old uh, basically old cleaned out beer kegs and yeah they work great you know you just put a, the bung that goes in a oak barrel fits perfectly in the opening for one of those
1: cool now wh- where do you get those that's a good size for a lot
2: of folks for home winemaking. he goes to the beer store taps the keg drains it doesn't return it <laughs> surrenders the deposit i mean what's This is a no-brainer. Actually,
0: actually, believe it or not, no, I I did home brewing for about 15 years, so I've had these cakes for quite a while. Oh, you
1: um... had them from that.
0: Yeah, they they were uh, they were actually uh, from like garage sales. Like people, you'd be amazed how many people you'd go to a garage sale and you'll see people throwing these things out that never got returned or something. So you're you're right indirectly that they were not returned.
1: No, what is a fifteen gallon? Is that like a quarter keg size that we'd always call quarter keg back in college
0: or what, roughly? That's correct. It's it's a standard whatever standard keg. Yeah, quarter keg is right. Quarter keg, okay.
2: Oh, stainless would work. That's actually
1: it should work a great. great. That's tip. a great idea. How,
2: do you have any issues cleaning them? I suppose the same challenges as you clean a
0: regular, you know, oak barrel. It's it's difficult, but it's kind of like a carboy. I mean, you, you you stick the brush in there and just give it a good swish around. But I I generally fill it up about halfway with boiling water, and then uh, take some uh, like a, a powdered uh, brewery wash type of stuff and and put it in there. So I think it's like a phosphoric acid or something like that. And uh, it cleans it out pretty good, it really does.
1: Well, now is the is the bung hole on the end of a quarter keg? I can't even really remember. I guess so. Where you put the tap in? Is that where you're putting uh, a wine making uh, um, device?
0: No, it's on top. Um, it, you, you may be thinking about the old egg shaped kegs where the yeah they had a, a little hole on the side. But no, these are the these are the newer styles that. Uh, um, have the tap right at the opening right on the top of the keg. So it's uh, it's got very convenient handles. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it fits perfectly in, in a, a standard refrigerator.
1: Oh, that's a brilliant way to do it. And, and if you don't mind me asking, though you're finding these things. What are you paying for something like that?
0: For... For what? For the keg itself? For the keg. The stainless steel keg. Yeah, empty keg. Oh, I got one for like five dollars. Oh my drink. gosh,
1: that is brilliant! <laughs> oh, you are new favorite home winemaker, man. <laughs> <I'll tell laughs> it you it what. was in pretty
0: nasty shape though. It 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 was old, and, and I when I opened that thing <laughs> up, uh, it it was pretty nasty inside. It took a lot of cleaning. Yeah, yeah.
1: But what a, what a cool way to do it. That's that's yeah. awesome because that will fit in. You know, uh, an average or medium to larger size refrigerator, so down uh, south,
2: that works. um, I think we've got the basics here of how are you going to do this in Arizona. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. If you go to a lot of home brewing websites, they'll have uh, the temperature controllers, and it just basically puts a thermometer inside of the refrigerator, and it controls the refrigerator temp to maintain pretty much within two or three degrees of what you want.
2: So um, any questions uh, since you've called into the show that we haven't answered in the previous fifty eight episodes uh, or sh- or should we
0: just jump into it? well, what happened to you guys on the eighth or I think or seventh or the eighth oh we're you know what we we met you Tomo. really believed we would be back. <laughs>
2: you
1: you got
3: to be around a little longer.
1: Quite a bit of
2: (laughs) quite a bit drinking on the seventh, and you know what? No, actually, sorry about that. We we struck out on two different uh, dimensions there. I must say, I uh, I Dave had to fly off to Boston. For a um, a meeting with some investors, and uh, so I was gone, and I didn't even call the passionate one over here. And uh, when I got back in town, I I called him up and I said, you know, I had to do the show without you. <laughs> Pretending <laughs> that I had done it without him, and he said, "Oh, I was sick as a dog." What were you battling back then? Was that like the flu or a cold? Uh, yeah. Or I know yeah, you it was were like really, a flu,
1: yeah, I wasn't feeling Yeah, you I weren't. You it, were
2: yeah. not in good shape. So so we're a little late was, than we promised. We late were, we were yeah. o for two on uh, on the eighth. I must say. So sorry about that, but um, here we are uh, back. Uh, in later January instead of early January. But January 22nd, you know what? I'm pleased to be back on the We're show. We're back here. Now, let me, let me ask you,
1: Now, have you come across any specific um, problems in terms of uh, making wine down south with, you, you know, your fermentation you're not really doing that first 10 days or two weeks in a refrigerated type of environment. Have you had any problems with temperatures being too high in your garage or wherever you're doing in fact how high do you let it
0: go yeah
1: well that's a that's a good
0: question because in florida in in and i try to do it in november which is about right after their harvest i arrange for shipping
1: uh oh you're doing it it okay yeah yeah
0: Yeah. but you never know what the temperature is that time of year i mean we can have one, one year we had uh 40 degree weather and the next year we had hurricanes blowing through here uh, so it's 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 hit or miss, and, and I use uh, basically uh, uh, about these plastic food grade bins which hold about three pails of those grapes each. Okay, and uh, they, they're open, and you know I punch down the cap like regular. But the temperature, I have a thermometer that I keep in there, and the highest I've ever seen it get. Is about eighty-five degrees at, okay. at the peak of at the peak of fermentation. Yeah. So ge- generally between seventy and eighty-five, and that that that's generally a pretty acceptable uh, range for for red wine.
1: And are you just doing it in your garage?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, a back patio. It's a screened-in patio.
1: Okay. And and do your do your outside temperatures get higher than that during your in in November where you are?
0: No, not usually. If okay, it, if it'd be rare that, too. Then, I guess. You, yeah. Yeah. You know, once uh, September. Pretty much after September, October, the temperatures start falling a little bit and stay pretty much in the 70s.
1: Oh, so it's real doable then. That's cool.
0: Yeah, except for this year, it's pretty warm this week. But uh, generally, we have 70 degree weather this time of year.
1: Okay, great. Well, we yeah. um, typically, you know, for us up in uh, Pennsylvania uh, in a in a basement environment, the what Dave, the environments, the the, the temperature is probably in the 60s somewhere. And the the fermentation. What's the highest we ever recorded? I think it was the first year. Didn't it peak up to like lower 80s? Or?
3: Yeah,
2: actually we got up to about uh, just about 80 degrees, and uh, that's when we put the fans on it because there there is a risk over 80. And some people actually believe you should go to 85 or even 90, but there's a risk over 80 of getting what's called a sort of a cooked flavor in grapes. Right. And so we actually put the fans on it to uh, to cool it down, uh, our ambient air temperature was probably around 68 to 70 in the basement where we were doing it, and, and so we just made sure it didn't go over 80. But uh, the, there is some um, passion about what, uh, what the maximum temperature should be, and, and frankly, by pushing it higher, you're probably going to derive a little bit more color, a little bit more flavor, and so you know, I, I, I accept the possibility of a range
0: of opinions on this. Yeah. I think the yeast depends on it depends on the strain of yeast you're using too. Uh, absolutely, no no question.
1: And how, and how long have you been making wine? Uh,
0: with the with the with the grapes with the frozen grapes, this was my third year this past vintage. And um, how's it going? I done uh, so far so good. I've I have one in the bottle uh, that I, I you asked before what I do for oak uh, and and basically what I've been doing is those oak cubes dropping those in there. Um, and i overdid it with the first year so that's that's noticeable on the bottle everybody's tasted it. it says oh boy there's a lot of oak in there mm-hmm. but uh the next uh, the next year i haven't bottled it yet i'm getting ready too soon and this late, latest one looks pretty good so far it's uh, interesting you bring that up because we had a very oaky uh 2004
2: which i think is the, the same uh varietal or vintage you're talking about yeah. And uh, just last night, I opened up a bottle of my O4, which was a 50-50 Cabernet and Merlot. And um, the oak is finally starting to um, you know, become integrated or mellowed or whatever words you want to put on it. It's probably all of the above. And I'm, I'm really starting to taste uh, some fantastic black cherries and uh, raspberries and blackberries, real fruit flavors out of it now that the oak is uh, abating. And so if you use a really good quality grape, which, of course, you are with the Brehm uh, Vineyards, um, maybe a lot of oak, uh, let it go a little bit longer. I must say that um, the, the 04 that I tasted, and I hadn't opened one of our 04s probably in maybe 12 months, uh, it was one of the best wines that uh, that I've had. I'd, I'd uh, compare it favorably with uh, you a know, very expensive uh, bottle of commercial wine.
1: Well, let, let me share this, since we're talking about oak and since we're – our. our format Tonight's a little more open. Our first show back in. In other late. words, we
2: didn't plan a damn thing here, so we're just going to go wherever
1: I the conversation out of the bag, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> leads us. But um, we, w- Dave, and I did a trip. I don't know if you were listening back in uh, in the in in the fall in September. We did a trip, a bike trip and wine trip in Italy. And one of the yeah. interesting things I learned was, um, I think that the the really top wines, I think they pretty heavily oak because we tasted. Uh, and learned about Barolo in Italy, which is probably their overall their best the best wine. And and and, and the great Chiantis are great too. But the Barolo, the is from the Piedmont region, the northwest part of of uh, Italy, are phenomenal, phenomenal wines. And we learned that to technically and legally to call your wine a Barolo, it had to be. It's not just the grapes. It's not just the grapes. It was. It had to age in an oak barrel for um, I believe a minimum of uh, 18 months, and then it could not be released for four years after that. And I believe... Four years
2: total, I believe it four, was. But four years total. Right.
1: I believe the reason for that is I think that really great wines, I think they oak pretty heavily... And don't release them, and don't recommend drinking them for a while to let all the things that you just alluded to, Dave, whatever whatever chemistry breaks down and whatever the molecules right, do, so it's less from the woody oak, and more
2: vanilla, and all the great all of those that that wonderful
1: things that it does. I think they hit it heavy, strong with oak and then let it go for a longer
2: period of time to get a really superior
1: wine. And, and I, would you agree with that?
2: that? I, I totally agree, and I think this is maybe one of the challenges for the home winemaker because, of course, when you make that first year's batch, you want to drink it as soon as you can, and then when you're making the second year's batch, you want to you know consume the rest of the first year's well, batch. Well, yeah, a, and especially it's so in, hard to th- you want to share it, and yeah. you know you're so excited about it. But especially I, I think, in,
1: in, in smaller volumes. But
2: if you can hang on yeah, to that, this is, this a is couple the, magnums
1: to, or a magnum to blend the following yeah, years. If you have cool.
2: good quality of wine and you've handled it really well from a you know cleanliness and sterilization. Uh, perspective and you've also oaked it and all that I mean you really do go to the go to the wine store. You're going to see they're not selling a lot of stuff that's brand new. I mean, they some of the wineries are, uh, you know, like this. Um, what is the yellow kangaroo or whatever? But I, by and large, uh, you find that uh, most wines are aged several years before they're released, and it's because they're just not ready. And it's all that mellowing and integration. And well, that's the other thing we learned in Italy. I mean, the, the Barolo being in and these
1: were the one particular winery that we uh, visited these were oak barrels that they used one one time, one time. One time. so they're getting intense oak oh, uh, infusion very raw for amazing intense months, oak and then letting it sit a few more years and then releasing it and this don't, and then still not recommending drinking it for a few years so all and, and that was the top end of the wines and in italy though they love their table wines there's no oak so it's like make it, drink it that year, and that's fantastic. You know, it's it's just two different um, ranges of what you're doing with your wine and what you intend to do it with and uh, and share it with with uh, food.
2: Yeah, I I, um, I must say now that I'm tasting some of our wines that have aged for quite a while, that is They're doing, the secret. I there's
1: mean, a lot of cool stuff going on there.
2: My basic advice: make enough that you can drink some straight away, but if you that, that that you can keep some for a good little while because they do get. Much better to a point. Again, if you're using you know good quality corks and a good process and a good uh, uh, wine and and oak and uh, grapes and all that. So
1: yeah, even even homemade wine can age and improve like the big boys. Absolutely, sure.
2: All right, so I'm going to throw out another couple of trivia questions here. From this is from uh, Winesmarts. There's no .com. How could these guys not have a .com? I'm not sure. (laughs) They, prob- I th- they probably they're do. they're not that smart. <laughs> okay, so well, we're dealing with physical pieces of paper here. So maybe they don't have a .com. Okay, it's Wine Smarts. Uh, it'll go straight to your head, Volume 1. And uh, the first person that sends us the right answer on both of these questions and gives us their, their mailing address will qualify for another couple of bottles of our 05 or 06 or 07. So, no, let me clarify. Two, two bottles? two.
1: Boy, are you in a general. You know, no, you must it's have made not a lot that, of money this year. No, it's show. not.
2: Uh, it's that we've I'll got. contribute bottles. All right. We've got 60 of so. these wine shippers that are two bottles. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what it not is. One, that's the real reason. <laughs> so we can only mail two at a time. What can we say? And it's olive oil, uh, as far as the guy at the UPS store knows. But, right. Okay. Whoever gets these two questions right, and one is a true or false question. So you got a 50 50 chance on that first one. So uh, true or false, and this is. This is actually harder than it sounds. So true or false, uncorking a bottle of wine will help it breathe. That's the true or false question for you. Uh, so let us know on that one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uncorking, removing Un- the cork, taking the cork out of, wine out of a bottle of wine will, will help, help it, it breathe, breathe, true or false. And, and I'm that's not a ridiculous on, question. Well, don't give away the answer. In fact, I'm not even sure you know it. <laughs> I've got the official answer. I for didn't say her. I knew the on answer. You said it's a ridiculous okay. question. Okay, and question number two is... Um, Wait, uh, does,
1: does the person have to answer both of these correctly? Yes, got to okay. get both
2: right. Well, two questions for two bottles of wine. That's okay, reasonable. Okay, that's a fair deal. That's okay, reasonable. so whoever gets both right or, you know, the first one to get both right. The second question we've got is what must be done to a wine, and this is sort of following up on your Barolo and Italy theme, what must be done to a wine if the term resides? Uh, Reserva is listed on an Italian wine label. Reserva, R-I-S-E-R-V-A. And it's either, A, have an embossed ribbon on the
3: bottle.
2: I'm going uh, with that. I don't care what, don't care
3: was, what the was, other is okay. <laughs> Um
2: B, to have been aged longer, longer than what I'm not saying, Uh C to have been fermented in oak, or D to be fermented fermented in oak. oak, Wow. Which, by the way, was a law in France up until I think last year they changed that. Now you no longer, with the French wine, have to ferment in oak.
1: Who ferments in oak?
2: Uh, You add oak these days. I mean, that's where. Nobody ferments in oak. Uh, that's BS. And nobody I uses corks anymore. damn French. Hey, I actually went to the liquor store recently, bought four bottles of wine, and I'm walking out, and I'm thinking, you know what? The passionate one would be proud of me. I didn't select the wines based on their closure, but all four bottles of wine a label. had screw caps. Oh,
3: screw, screw caps.
2: Screw caps. There you go. So I, I knew you'd like that. Or D, be set aside for the winemaker only. So if it's reserva only the winemaker gets to, you know, drink it and share it with his or her friends. So that's the question.
1: Well, now, now, how could that be the right answer since you see it on the shelf in Pennsylvania liquor
2: stores? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe you have to do some research on this. So, those, those are, the are the, two those questions.
1: Are the, those are the options yep. for Reserva.
2: We'll what uncor- is Reserva? Will uncorking a bottle of wine help it breathe? And what does Reserva really mean on an Italian bottle? So, whoever comes through with those two answers both, will get both two bottles answers. of Cellar Dwellers, Woodbine Estates. Oh, five, oh, six, oh, seven. Something delish. By hey. the way,
1: before we continue, I've got to throw in we are an award winning uh, home winemaking company, a crew. Or oh,
2: uh, by, by the way, I see Silver Wings has, has answered here right on the chat. And, and probably since we got timestamps on that, that will qualify as an entry. But for all of those of you who are listening, oh, yeah, you can still email the answers to cellar at com. Seller Dwellers at Talkshow.com. We're looking for the answer to those two questions. And maybe if we're feeling really generous, we'll send out, you know, bottles to everyone who has the right answer. So take a shot. I'm not committing to that. Don't sort of depends on... Well,
1: you're I'm going wild. Tonight. I'm
2: going wild tonight. You know, it's just so nice to be back on the air. It's been too long since we've done this. All right. All right done, what, do, you, what do you have over there? Are you there? done interrupting me? Actually, it's just tell tell the audience about what we're drinking tonight, which is this. Which, by the way, and you asked me 35 we, uh, minutes ago. <coughs> I know. I'm trying and to, you didn't let me answer. Kind of, what are we drinking tonight here? Well... <laughs> do I need to answer for you? <laughs>
3: Why
2: Why do you bother asking me? Well, take it the, away, Numbers. Now, gr- this is a virtual wine tasting, right? So, folks, in the studio tonight, uh, we're well did into... You, is
1: this the one you emailed out to folks?
2: I did. Okay. Um, well, actually, I said uh, there's a primary and there's a backup. So the primary uh, to share with folks is the Zen of Zen. Zen as in Z-E-N, Zen, enlightenment, all that kind of stuff. The Zen of Zen, an... 2004 Old Vine Zinfandel. When we look Ooh. on the back of this, uh, Zenlightenment is in each bottle of Ravenswood Zen. So these are our friends at Ravenswood. This and is a Ravenswood We one. love Ravenswood wow. and their yeah, Zinfandels, they and they're getting a little Zen. bit... I must say, when I bought this, I did not even notice it was Ravenswood. I, I love Ravenswood. Li- I do, too. But they're getting a little sharper with their marketing and their labels. And, I love the and label. And this is very cool. I love cool.
1: That so, label. I hope, I hope the, some folks got it.
2: The Zen of Zin that we're tasting here, and that's,
1: that's the that's the, that was the primary,
2: Right, model. but we, we had a backup, and then we've got two other, uh, you can share the two others, but we also said if you couldn't get, because I don't know how many people can get the Zen of Zin, uh, so I picked one that is universally available and always delicious, uh, Jacob's Creek, and this is the Reserve Merlot 2004, uh, won several uh, gold and silver medals. And, That's delicious. Oh, that, is, that, that is absolutely that is a really fabulous. One. Not being big Merlot fans, but you know
1: what? That's not fair. Merlot got a bad rap. Uh, because of Sideways, the movie. Well, but even before that, there were some very quick, um, uh, there were a lot of, Subpar Merlots, when that became the rage, people that finally sort of pseudo-discovered red wines in the late 90s, um, you know, Merlot became the thing. Well, we'll have a glass of Merlot, and they thought they were really into wine, and it got kind of a bad rap, and a lot of wines, I think, were sort of market-driven at that time. But there are, that Merlot is absolutely delicious. So, anyway, we have the Zen
2: well, Zen. Uh, the I, what I want to say about Merlot uh, people out there should take another look at it because it has been so beaten down i mean literally beaten down by sort of public opinion that the demand has dropped, and yet the vines are out there, and the wineries are cranking it out and so, I actually think you can get a much much better quality merlot these days than you could five years ago uh literally the demand after the movie Sideways came out, I read, dropped by about thirty to thirty five percent. Isn't that incredible? And supply and demand means more supply, uh lower prices. And so the quality of the bottle of Merlot that you can buy today compared to what uh you know you could get a few years ago, it's phenomenal. And so this Jacobs Creek is fantastic. And this is a twelve dollar bottle of wine. So you know really? frankly if I that's a that's if I knew nothing I about know. two wines and one was a Merlot and one was a Pinot Noir and they're the same price and we're talking maybe between 10 and $20, yeah. I'd buy the Merlot in a second yeah, because today. I do not yeah. like low-quality Pinot Noirs and frankly, they're over-demanded and therefore overpriced and the Merlots, uh, you're getting a much better value for your money. I know we've been on this topic before, but there you go. Yeah, and you I think we've proven it again tonight. But this Zen of Zin is... We're um, going to taste
1: that. We haven't tasted that yep, yet.
2: It's... Let me share
1: the other bottle that we're drinking, and I brought in a bottle of our homemade 2005 man Cabernet, 100% straight 05 Cab, and it is mm. phenomenal. It's got some delicious spice in with its uh, dark berry, blackberry, uh, a little bit of dark cherry.
2: Oh, definitely and some cherry. And
1: it's definitely got, and you know what, folks, I've got to share, I, I brought with me, if you haven't... Um, if you're not hip to this, do this. Check check out UC Davis and C Noble N O B L E. Uh, I don't know how you'd find it on their website, but they do have a tasting wheel. And we've talked about this before, an essence and flavor wheel that is absolutely phenomenal. It's got to have, oh my gosh, it's got to have a hundred different at least um, um, essences and flavors and tastes on it, and it's broken down into um, divisions, and it's a wheel that goes around like there's a whole, there's a chemical division, and it's probably got 25 different chemicals you can taste in it. Fruity, vegetative, nutty, caramelized, woody, earthy, floral. And, and what's beautiful about this when you're drinking a wine and you're tasting your things and you're thinking, what is it, what is it, what is that? If you pick this up and look around the wheel, you'll find it, and you go, ah. And then you can describe it to family and friends and other folks, and it's really a helpful way to enjoy wines. I have found it really useful. You can, you can download it on UC Davis' website, just print it out. Make a bunch of copies. Give it to everybody you know, because it's a good thing to share. Now, before you go on, number Yes,
2: five, yes, I yes. know
1: you get antsy if I talk for more than eight seconds, but here is no, it's something I wanted to share. Let Tog speak. There's, there's a big there's movement a this year. Oh, wait, it's constituency big. constituency out there for you. It's an election year and Tog's year,
2: I
3: predict.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so Tog, take it away, because there were actually three different things, and I think you've hit number two. This is big. The mag- this is big. Since
1: we are... Award winning home winemaker silver and gold. And even a
2: bronze. We've
1: covered all of them. Yes, at this we point. have. Um, I want
2: to announce the
1: 2008 Winemaker International Amateur Wine Competition, and this is right out of Winemaker Magazine.
2: Our good friend Brad Ring running another competition.
1: The Way it, to go, Brad! Um, check them out on www.winemakermag.com. Um, or pick up, uh, or better yet, help those folks out, keep it rolling, uh, pick up a copy of Winemaker Magazine, but the deadline, entry deadline is March 17th, now that's less than two months away um, for the home winemaking competition, and again, we'll talk about it in future shows, but there's 50 different categories, and... um, uh, we happen to have won a silver and a gold <laughs> last year in two different categories. I'm sure none of our listeners have ever heard that before. And uh, it's a, just a lot of fun. You have to send two bottles of each uh, variety that you're going to, uh, a varietal that you're going to enter. And
2: um, you do know, it, I, it I is wanna... really
1: cool. They give you tasting notes back. It's a great experience. We had a lot of fun do with it. How we
2: get to be judges for this thing? I think we've got to call Brad with pull the strings. <laughs> they're they're missing the boat not having us involved with this. I know that. Yeah, and, and Silver Wings asks on the chat whether we'll be, uh, or anyone, uh, will anyone be attending the winemaker conference in May? I'm really thinking seriously that we should do this. So we've we got to talk about that passionate one, see if we uh, can gather our pennies together and get some airline tickets and head out there to California. That it would be, be a hoot nanny. It would be a blast.
1: That would be a hoot nanny.
2: All right, so uh, let's, keep, uh, let's keep moving with the show. By the way, I, um, I must say, a few months back, remember when we tried the dyed-in-the-wool Pinot Noir? I think that was like $12. Oh, we were throwing and, up. Yeah, we decided it wasn't dyed as in dyed, it was dyed as like in dyed. Died. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I, I was at the liquor store recently, the wine store, and there was dyed in the wool, and it was just like I wanted to give it a second chance so bad, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So Good thinking. Yeah, uh, I, I tell you. Now, um, this, what is uh, this? It looks salami-ish.
1: Ah, that did, you, you, brought did in. you try
2: any yet? Uh, no, I'm about to take my first bite. Well,
1: I, I was talking about this before we went on the air, but
2: um, mm. <gasps> a couple, a couple ah, of
1: Isn't that awesome?
2: Is unbelievable. Well, a couple of things we talked about. Wow. This reminds me uh, we were in Italy. Yeah,
1: I, I almost got got it in, but go ahead, Dave.
2: <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> we were in Italy with um uh, Davide and was it Sylvia? I forget I forget the, her name. Was it Sylvia
1: mm, at the winery, maybe it we'll go with with,
2: Oh man. Um there they are cutting homemade salami fruit. Oh this
1: is a, a, a fairly new winery, but very oh. delicious wines, yeah.
2: This is amazing. Smoky, dark, yeah. intense, not what, too fatty. What, what, Dave's,
1: what Dave's enjoying here is... I am um,
2: totally enjoying this.
1: Decided to get into some homemade um, pepperoni and salon. Not pepperoni is not the right word. It's actually Hungarian kielbasa, they call it, which is just uh, homemade sausages or kobasi. And what this is that we're enjoying tonight is you take it. We made it extremely lean um, casings, the whole deal. Grinding the meat, mixing everything, garlic, all the spices, everything into it. Paprika, paprika from Hungary, uh, not the stuff you buy here. We got the real, the real deal. Um, More and, intense in color and flavor, uh, a lot hotter. Making Hungarian this stuff paprika in the in the true casings, mm. and uh, and then uh, smoking it for two days in a homemade smoker. And then drying it, wow. it's been drying for almost a month now. So, it was, this was literally made Christmas Eve day. It was a family deal. We did it in our kitchen. We got pictures. It was
2: fantastic, and it is, it's is—it's some pretty awesome stuff. I am, like, on a, a spiritual high at the moment. We're drinking homemade wine. Yeah, isn't that great? Eating homemade um, I Hungarian. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> in 2008, making homemade stuff. Unbelievable. Nobody does this anymore, and this is not the, enough people do it. But
1: we're here to uh, pioneer and help folks oh, get into homemade. I tell you what, Everything. this is
2: what I loved about Italy. The Italians were so much into it was homemade, it was fresh. They grew it in their garden. They they made it. Uh, so many restaurants we went to uh, made their own wine right right there on on premises. And I have got to give you the cellar dweller of the year award. For last year, not this year. This year's a wide open competition, but I'm going to give it to you for last year for this stuff. This is
1: it's pretty darn it's
2: pretty uh, fabulous. Really good. Oh, Christmas Day. I don't know. It Tastes sort of salami, sort of pepperoni, sort of There's amazing. There's the and garlic and stuff. Oh. But it but it's uh, really oh. good stuff. It's about the size of a dime, folks. But unlike most pepperoni or salami, I mean, you look at it, you don't see any of those like. Like fat particles in it. Oh, this, this was
1: very lean meat we used. Oh.
2: Which is why we went with the mm. dried out, the dried
1: smoked sausage.
2: Uh, this is fantastic. Sausage, yeah. Thank wow. you. That's good. And are it's cool because
1: the, the casings are on there. You have to kind of peel it off and uh, slice it up. And um, like If I'll, anybody wants that recipe, by the way, literal, uh, oh. I'll, I'll offer this. Um, email us at uh, celladwellers at TalkShoe.com, and um, I can uh, I can get the recipe to you. And it is literally directly from my my in-laws are refugees from the communists in the 50s. They escaped Hungary when the communists came in, and this is a recipe
2: from Hungary, and it is phenomenal. Oh, talk, that is amazing. I
1: is incredible.
2: Let's post that on our cellardwellers.ning.com site okay. and let anyone go there. And, cool. by the way, um, you reminded me, we, we have not... We have not started our sauerkraut. That so, was the other thing that we promised in
1: 07. <laughs> we yeah. made a lot of okay. promises. All right, Here, here's my thought.
2: My wife has gone off to St. Thomas for a week. Okay, oh. so I'm a bachelor <laughs> i well, I'm stuck home with the kids, but you know what? It It does afford a certain amount of freedom compared to usual. We, we need to do some wine racking this week, but let's start the sauerkraut this weekend. This weekend, we, promised are, you with me. we
1: are going to do that and post our <laughs> sauerkraut our recipe. And anyone, any home winemakers that have also been into to making some homemade sauerkraut, please... Uh, you know, lay on us some of your experiences and expertise, and we'll be happy to implement it. And uh, we'll let you know how it ah, goes. Your
2: pepperoni salami, whatever you call this stuff, is totally inspiring me. This is this is amazing. Cool. This is amazing. I mean, good. ah, ah. Good. Now, passion for food.
1: You mentioned here we are early to mid mid-win- midwinter. Let's say you know the end of January, towards the end of January. We keep
2: talking. I'm busy eating over here.
1: And what is happening with home winemakers? Well. Most of us are going to have, or all of us at this point, unless you just got your frozen grapes from Peter Brem, are going to have your wine aging in your barrels or carboys, or as our uh, buddy down in uh, Florida is doing, and I think it's brilliant, the stainless steel quarter keg.
2: I like the idea. I love that. Yeah, Chris, you're really definitely on to something there.
1: Um, and so it's aging, and what's happening there, Numbers Guy, while... It's wine now, it's, uh, if you're infusing it with oak, either adding the oak or if it's in oak barrels. What's happening with that wine, and what should we be doing this time of year with our wine?
2: Oh, Well, mostly it's about um, uh, racking. Racking. Racking, which, what which means,
1: I've, what's racking?
2: Well, it's about keeping your wines very still and very temperature constant and letting the yeast die out. As it hits its natural peak of, you know, anywhere between 13 and typically So even 14, after fermentation,
1: there's still some yeast in there that's going to be uh, dying There's a little
2: action because uh, you put your vapor lock on there and you're going to see some bubbles coming through there for a while. But eventually the yeast dies and the, the yeast hulls uh, will drop to the bottom of the barrel or the side of the barrel if it's laying on its side. And you need and what, to...
1: What is, it, what, is there a term for that?
2: Oh, yes. Uh, thank you for testing me. Uh, those those dead uh, yeast hulls are called lees, L-E-E-S, and uh, you need to separate those from the wine. And so what you want to do is rack or drain the good wine, leaving the lees at the bottom of the barrel.
1: Ah, so this uh, stuff settles out into the bottom of your carboy or barrel. Now.
2: In a carboy you can we, actually see it. It's it's covering that yeah, carboy you're gonna see it half an in inch or right. one inch or even inch and a half, depending on how you know, which stage you're at. But if folks are are <laughs> far
1: enough along in the home main, home wine making process that they have oak barrels, you can't see it. What is an? What do you think at this point, And after each racking, is an average of the, the amount of leaves that we've found on the bottom of a barrel. Well, how do you, how do
2: you how
1: do you siphon off right, the wine that's and
2: leave the leaves laying there? Question. Obviously, if you've got a glass carboy, you can sort of see how deep it is. But what we do is we have a um, a food grade uh, clear plastic hose that we attach to a hard plastic pipe. And we stick the hard plastic pipe down in the bottom, uh, towards the bottom of the barrel. But we actually attach, of all things, uh, a plastic chopstick. Now, you know, whatever works for you, folks. We attach a, a plastic chopstick to the bottom of the tube to keep it from going all the way down into the barrel so that it only goes to the last maybe inch and a half. And, frankly, I think here's where you take a little bit of... So, so the
1: plastic hose, the the chopstick touches the bottom through the lees, but the, but the plastic, the plastic tube, hose, is suspended tube is suspended an inch and a half or two half. above
2: that. Exactly. So you're not sucking up leaves. You're not sucking up a lot of lees. Although, let me say this. You're going to rack three to five times. And so if you get a little bit of lees, it's going to be local. Okay, so you put it down too far, you're going to get a little crater sucked out of lees. That's probably okay. So I think if anything, you want to bias towards um, maybe getting a little extra lees. The the whole trick mostly is not to rock the barrel and stir up the lees. But if you suck a little bit out from some local spot, that's okay in the scheme of things. We do it by putting that chopstick on. We use little plastic uh, cable ties to uh, strap the chopstick to the the plastic tube. And again, it's sort of whatever works. Maybe if you're... um, a surgeon with very steady hands you don't need the chopstick you can sort of stick the tube down in there and um you can you can go down and look if uh, sort of you get some cloudy residue pulled out of the bottom and pull it up that's a little a good bit point, yeah, uh, yeah so you you look at your your um, you know the, the the clear tube and and make sure you're drawing mostly clear wine and not uh, the residue out of that barrel or the carboy so right. that's that's how we do it and and this time of year it's about doing that every few weeks so you know let it go for three weeks everything settles out racket wait a minute wait a minute every few weeks um ideally every few weeks because remember you can do this three to no, five that's
1: times the first that's the first month or two but at this point you would not be doing it every few weeks uh,
2: yeah that's probably that's a fair point point. and so um in the beginning you start with shorter intervals in the end you can go longer um, you can actually go a few months. The risk you're taking is that uh, excess lees may throw off a little bit of, you know, hydrogen sulfide or other undesirables. We'll say that, and yeah, so you're going to get
1: some pungent.
2: Uh, yeah, the whole point is to uh, um, do it periodically, so you're you're sort of managing the wine to lees. But that's that's your main activity at this point in time. So hey,
1: so but so if you don't rack often enough, you could start to get some yeasty. Uh, Essences
2: and flavors into the wine, is that yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. Now, by the way, David is commenting here on the chat, let Dave eat. You're hammering me with questions when really all I want to do is down this phenomenal you pepperoni know, salami. The way
1: I'm really reading that is let Tog speak.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> In fact, we're going to have a lot of emails, bring Dave more food every yeah, week.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mm.
1: well, that stuff um,
2: is good. Unbelievable. Oh, my
3: and goodness.
1: And
2: so good with red wine. I can't believe I waited for the first half hour here before I tried one of these things. Um, oh.
1: You know, this has inspired me, too. I wonder what it's like to made, make homemade cheese. I wonder if oh. that would be something to get into sometimes. I'm
2: someone to cheese lightly. We
1: might have to try that. But anyway, so racking, um, at this point, you're right, the, the first... M- A month and a half, six, eight weeks, you're going to do it, hopefully do it um, once or twice at least during that time. But then over the course of the next year, you want to
2: do it uh, a few more times. And 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 there's no right
1: or wrong to it.
2: I think not. What you're aiming for, you want a very clear wine that has no sediment, no cloudiness at the end. And that that means three to five times over the course of, you know, we're typically aging our wine in oak for a year. And so... Uh, whatever interval works for you, there's a lot of fallout right at the beginning. Get that, you know, separated from the lees straight away. And then, you know, you can start to stretch out your your intervals. So yeah. uh, I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah, and, and the better and the more... Um uh, attention you pay to doing that you, you we do not filter our wines,
2: and um, oh, and I am so into not filtering wines I,
1: I am too now, and I have to be honest i mean i 've been enjoying our wines more than most, not all but most bought wines i mean i um they 're just like uh, like a meal to me there 's so much going on in our wines, but now, the other thing I wanted to point out was so during this racking. Um, you, you know, you're you're basically going to be somewhat clarifying the wines, not to the point of filtering.
2: Um, but you have to. Well, take by the time that you've done three to five of them, you've got a crystal oh, it's, clear wine. Our
1: wines are pretty pretty darn clear. Oh, beautiful! But you have to be careful because the downside of of all this racking is mm, exposure mm. to
2: oxygen. That's so great point, yeah, one. So how do we prevent that, numbers guy? Well, here's what I got to say. When you are uh, draining the wine, we use gravity and siphon the wine out of the barrel. So we store our barrels about four uh, feet about off the, well, three to four three feet to off the ground, the,
3: yeah, yeah,
2: so that we can drain them using, you know, purely siphoning. Uh, we use um, a auto siphon to get them started. And when Which you, t- you
1: can buy at any wine supply yeah, shop. Yeah, that's
2: one of the great winemaking pools. You making just pump it a few times. Tools, exactly, it's really for, cool. You know, $12 or something. And you want to make sure that the wine, as it's uh, draining into some other container, is not splashing around. You want the the, the tube that you're draining with to, to go down, you know, essentially into the bottom of the container so that the wine that is draining is not being exposed to any more oxygen than possible. And then... You want to pump it back. Uh, you know, the first year I, I felt like we actually made a bit of a mistake where we we took it and uh, in, in pails we dumped it through funnels and it went back into the barrels. Now we actually use a pump that puts it uh, literally right into the bottom of the barrel. So minimum, minimum exposure oxygen, oxygen exposure. Air, right. I think that's really a, a very, very important point. Oxygen is the enemy of the home winemaker. So, Especially at this stage. Right. Yeah, right. I will also say that sometimes we used our pump simply to um, pump from one barrel to the next to do the racking. And the only disadvantage there, instead of you know, pumping into a, a third container and then back into the same barrel that uh, you took it from, we, we started to get worried that if something went wrong with one of our barrels, that by moving wine from barrel to barrel... Um, you could contaminate all of them, and so at least lately, it's been our practice to uh, return the wine to the same barrel in which it, it is aging. Uh, I, I think that's I think that's why it's safer at the for amateur sure. level. Yeah. I think
1: that's I think just wise.
2: just in case. If you're using carboys, that might not be such a, a concern, right. of course, because you you want to rinse each one clean it, sterilize it before you reuse it. So uh, carboys maybe not such a concern. The other thing we're doing at this time of the year is malolactic fermentation. And so while you're racking, uh, you're also um, doing malolactic fermentation by adding that bacteria. And by the way, if you happen to be storing in carboys, maybe there's a third option. Maybe you're adding different oaks to get different oak flavors. Of course, we're we're storing in uh, oak containers. In yeah, American oak. Now, um,
1: at what point... Has anyone come up with an optimum time, optimal time? Yes. Pull that out of my make-a-word kit. Um, For uh, secondary fermentation, malolactic fermentation, is it... Two weeks after primary fermentation, is it now midwinter, um, and and uh, does that affect the flavor or the the final product? Um, maybe some feedback from folks listening. Um, what have we typically done uh, with ours for secondary
2: fermentation? Uh, a lot that goes into this. So um, malolactic fermentation, I I don't think there's a deterministic answer to your question, but. Um, the deterministic level? is that a word? Yeah, that is a word. Is re- I have the I, I, make I'm, a I'm word. Bet, I'm going to bet a, pro a homemade, homemade sausage. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a word. <laughs> no, that is a word. Deterministic. And uh, what it comes down to is, uh, and, uh, and by the way, help yourself to some of that. The I, zen yeah, of I, I, Zen. I oh, this is.
3: <laughs> it is. <clears throat> you
2: noticed I got into it while you weren't looking. Yes. Uh, fantastic. Uh, malolactic fermentation—it it is a bacteria that you add to your wine, and it um, it, it needs a um, the right pH environment. If your pH is too low or acidity is too high, it won't work. Uh, generally, you want to be above 3.2 pH—you know, 3.3, 3.4—which is. Right.
1: About yeah, where you want to be where your red wines for, anywhere, for red anywhere, wines, right. right?
2: And and most white wines don't go through malolactic fermentation, so we won't worry about that. Um, you got to be careful about the temperature. If it's too cold, you got to be um, also. Um, and what and what <coughs> might be too cold? Any um, idea? Any numbers? I I would say if you're in the north of 60-degree range,
1: you're you're okay.
2: You're okay. Yeah, you're okay. But if you're down in the
1: 50s, it might be a little too low for it to to kick in.
2: Right. And then the other thing to really worry about is um, the uh, level of potassium metabisulfite, your your sulfites in your wine. Um, If you are above uh, 30 to 35 parts per million, you might have a little trouble with your MLF, malolactic fermentation. And, in fact, we've talked about this before. We, we definitely screwed up on our – well, screwed up. You know, this is, this is turning lemons into lemonade. With our O4 Merlot, the pH was too low. It didn't go through MLF. We bottled it anyway without really testing it. It had been aging for a year, so what the heck, let's bottle it. Uh, then some of the tartaric acid precipitated out, as is prone to happen as a bottle ages. And then with the higher uh, pH, lower acidity, then the MLF bacteria came to life again. You know, it was just dormant. It starts producing carbon dioxide by converting malic acid to lactic acid. And, you know, suddenly we've got a fizzy Merlot. But come to find out, and this is one of the things I know I mentioned to you since our last show, I opened one of our bottles of fizzy Merlot since uh, I think this is where show. the cork might have a um, little bit of an advantage. An but, advantage, but you know what? A fizzy Merlot is sort of like a uh, champagne. Oh, uh, I've actually enjoyed uh, with I'm very fine our, bubbles. Yes, And very fine, <laughs> very fine bubbles, right? a uh, three bubbles. and a half years out. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And 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 we found out when we were in Italy. The Italians actually intentionally make some of their red wines. Their quick table wines. Exactly. Yeah. they're Nebbiolo. A little, little,
1: little, little, little bit
2: of fizzy. Yeah. And, and you know like what? It it's way. sort of fun. And so I've, uh, and when we first started experiencing this, we took it as a, a negative, a problem. Right. We would take the bottle and shake it and try to you know, get it out and then decant it and shake it some more and try to get more carbon dioxide out. And, and you know what? That works. But don't fight it. I actually think a little bit of a fizz in a red wine, at least a Merlot. I can't say we've tried it with our Cabernet or Syrah accidentally or on purpose, but it was actually fun and delightful and different and tasteful. And once you realize that is something that you maybe could embrace, it was wonderful. It's not a negative, right? And I I actually had a
1: lot of friends and family say, man, they really enjoyed that. And this (laughs) – I'm going to go back to
3: a a shows
1: about Uh eight, nine months ago about – um, getting um, inebriated quicker because of carbonation. And um, I know, I'm still I know a
2: skeptic on this one, but no go,
3: go, yeah,
1: keep way propagating in your heck. Alpha
2: <laughs> King will back me up on this. There is scientific <laughs> research
0: oh, I'm to sure. back this right. up,
1: right? Okay, yeah. Because our more, our uh, homemade Merlot, which is the exact same one, if I drink it without, this is a year or two ago, leaving the carbonation in, man, I'm telling you, a glass and a half of that, and I'm like, whew, flying, whereas if I took the carbonation out, I didn't feel that same effect. I mean, I don't know how you could um, support the carbonation effect of alcoholism and buzz.
2: So you think,
1: (laughs) you know, it's no coincidence that I call it a buzz. Actually,
2: I'm I'm eating more of this. Oh, this this is so good. Oh I'm glad you like uh, it. this Enjoy. is so good. And it's inspiring me to you know, we gotta go on to the sauerkraut. Absolutely. Oh we do, we
1: do, we mm. will.
2: And we will. But anyway, getting back to
1: the um the racking, uh so that that's important. Now wow. let now here's one thing. We got down into single digits here, temperature wise. So well let's back, be let's, let's be careful um where we're storing our wine. What are the negatives to getting down if you're in a, uh, my wine cellar, I have to admit, it's it's pretty archaic, but it, I love it because it's just basically under my front porch of my house, which is, so it's just block all the way around in a concrete roof, which is my front porch and a concrete floor. So it's not controlled outside of summer where I do have um, conditioners to keep bring the temperature down. But in the winter, it, it gets down to as low as the upper 30s when it's like, zero outside. Now, what I have read is that down at that temperature, chemical processes slow down and not much happens, including nothing negative, but also including nothing positive. Well, it basically kind of is a moot point. The problem, obviously, you can have is when temperatures get too high. You don't want to get down to freezing, but... um, things just sort of slow down at those temperatures to where not much happens. Okay, so would you, would you
2: concur? Well, Numbers here's what I want to throw in. I agree that being too hot. Keep in mind, I brought you pepperoni. Go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna support you on this by and large. But uh, being too hot can totally screw up the oh, wine, yeah. which no, is too why too hot
1: we're not gonna. No yeah, argument. you want
2: to be careful about you know shipping wine to a friend in the summer or you know I I gave my dad a bottle as um, that's and he's a good traveling point. across that's a
3: very good point.
2: Yeah, uh, you know the northeastern United States in the summer, and he left it in the trunk, and it was it was bad after like five days. So. Hot temperatures can totally screw up a wine. Really, cooking. cold temperatures are not going to mess up a wine. But here's the the real risk to a bottle of wine is twofold: its temperature variation and its vibration. Those are the bad things. So Vi- vibration, vibration, absolutely you don't. Want, so don't play rock around your music. Your, your no, wine. and don't put it in a you know a bad refrigerator that has a compressor that's going. And I what
1: mean, is vibration? No, this is new to me. It's the passionate guy, and I'm, I'm into vibes. What, what's happening
2: there? What's going to happen? You know what, I, I think it's the, the issue that um, part of what happens to a wine as it's as it's there, uh, first of all, let's take the, the variation. The, the problem with temperature variation is it changes the pressure inside the bottle as the wine expands and contracts, contracts with temperature variation, and that, frankly, I think is moving oxygen in and out of the cork. So, You really don't want temperature variation. So it's actually okay to store wine at 35 degrees, you know, forever. It's not going to age very quickly or mellow nearly as quickly as it otherwise would. But I don't think that's actually a bad thing. It'll just last a lot longer. But if it's going 35, 65, 35, 65, that's where you're getting air in and out. And that's, you know, oxygen, that's the enemy of wine, at least with a cork. With a screw cap, maybe that does not even matter. But um, vibration, uh, you know what, it seems to be a um, a bad thing as well because I think part of what happens with wine is it's these molecules combining to be longer and longer and then things precipitating out of the wine, you know, tartaric acid that we referenced earlier, and vibration is the enemy of that. So, And, and by the way, in the scheme of things, I think vibration is a minor thing. Temperature va- variation is the bigger thing. But uh, mm. there you go. That's the the conventional wisdom and I, mm. I can't even say that science backs up what I just said but that's the conventional wisdom and you know maybe someday somebody will prove that scientifically
3: ah uh,
1: you now, know
2: what it's rare that I agree <laughs> with you off the cuff <laughs> <laughs> but I'm
3: starting away <laughs> <a> out <laughs> way out totally agree with this vibration thing okay, but you got me
2: now that you said that I think we've got to go to the wine news because we've got a relevant wine news issue All right and thank you to uh, Dave who Dave in California who is listening along who composed our wine news theme. Thank you, David. the first, um, I've got two killer wine news... uh, Oh, that means I don't get to read mine the next show. No, we're we're
1: going too long. We'll do it next show. That's
2: fine. I'm going to do my better one, okay? Do one. Okay, here's the first one. Which is hard for you, but do one. Okay, Stanford, my alma mater.
1: Oh, my gosh. That explains a lot,
2: folks. (laughs) Wait a second. You don't know how... I know you haven't read this, but you don't know how true what you just said. (laughs) Okay. Now, a shocker headline. Stanford study says wine's price influences perceived taste. (laughs) Okay. But wait, there's so much, so much. That's good about this uh, article. How my tuition went into that? Oh <laughs> uh, yes, experiment. It turns out that the Stanford uh, researchers have been hard at work here to determine <laughs> that a bottle of wine's price tag can influence drinkers' palates. Okay, so oh, there's a shock. Yeah, this is according to uh, a study by Stan- Stanford Graduate School of Business and the California Institute of Technology. Uh, you know, two true wine tasting. Um, Institutions. Uh, what they did was they, um, they they set these poor schleps up saying this bottle costs five dollars and this bottle costs forty five. Which one do you like better? And I mean, what what would you do if somebody gave you you know two bottles and one is a five dollar bottle, and one is a forty five dollar bottle? It would be hard not to be influenced by that.
3: That
1: that's 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 a good psychological um, uh, test or experiment. I m- personally. I come from a place where I I would say uh, the, uh, I don't think it would influence me, but the, um, I'm okay. the exception to the rule.
2: Yeah, but actually they weren't asking you. What they were doing was putting you in an MRI machine and checking what your brain was experiencing. So they're reading your a- brain a- when they told you that yeah, or after you absolutely. drank the wine. Well, what they did was they pumped the wine <laughs> into your mouth. So we're not talking. You I'm, know, I'm digging. Read- <laughs> <so far. laughs> So much wrong with this study, but they're, you know, they're not doing retal glasses and all that. They're actually pumping the wine into your mouth and telling you this is the forty-five dollar. Then they're pumping you full of the other one. This is five-dollar <laughs> bottle, and they're checking how the MRI is. You know, what's the brainwave activity? But get this. Okay, I was totally with this article up to this point. But you know who they tested? They tested eleven male graduate students at the California Institute of Technology. I mean could you pick a worse oh, institution boy. on the planet maybe MIT okay granted but Caltech MIT Caltech Are you really going to Caltech tra-
1: and MIT or almost
2: Are, are you going to exactly those guys are like hand in glove are you going to trust either Caltech or MIT to do wine tasting for you so and and a sample size of 11 and we're getting a headline on the internet that Stanford study says wine's price influences taste I oh I just I, yeah, I, I, thought I, I thought this funny. thing was just wrong. In Stanford on if you're listening many please contact Levels us. exactly. It's seller roller. What, what you need is a sample size of 2, you know, two guys that are doing in a studio uh, and live <laughs> podcasts exactly. Pump us full of wine and we'll right. tell you what we think. So so there it's a, you
1: go. The, the, I, I like the premise of the study. It's a good but premise, but the
2: execution was look. The sample a size and, and the target audience yeah. were both completely wrong. So you know what? By the
1: way, at this point we're, we're we're coming down the home stretch of the show, but
2: with the Zen of Zen, the
1: Zen of Zen,
2: I'm not digging.
1: I'm telling you, I am. I am enjoying our '05 Cabernet. I think it blows the Zen of Zen. Out the yin yang.
2: Now I do want to say that part the, of Zen. The, the main the slogan of the Zen of Zen is no more wimpy wines with the big red circle with. I know, but our, our wine it. makes every wine wimpy. I, I, and I, I,
1: I, 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 our wines are so ballsy, and and that doesn't now that doesn't always go well with meals because to me they are a meal <clears throat> unto themselves. I mean our wines are so chewy and delicious.
2: I I'm sorry, Zen of Zen. I think we're using, frankly, better quality grapes, and then the non-filtered and unfiltered, I think, and letting it. Boy, I gosh, the real know, oaks that we're using—I mean, real live oaks. Uh, so I, I, you know what? Uh, many people might accuse us of bias towards something uh, yeah, we produce versus. Hey, I got an idea. How about a blind taste test next week? And it won't work, because we've become so familiar with yeah, our we, wine I, I can pick out what we've we We've got to get those
1: 11 yin-yangs from uh, from
3: California. Let's try to get them. Let's try to get them. Send them some wine.
1: We'll send
2: them our wines. We'll taste our wines versus the Zen of Zen and see what they say. If they
1: would legitimately peel the labels
2: off and have someone have someone
1: run that experiment, and tell them that this is – one's homemade and one is $45 and one's $5. Do a similar type of approach and and just pour them into decanters so, you know, there's no bottle influ- – you know, no other influence – what do you think about that?
3: Let's try to contact our buddies out there. <laughs> All right.
1: You went to school in California. You, you're you've got I'm an in out there. I was there. born it's like a in California, right? It's it's like exactly. A, brotherhood. It's a total brotherhood. I'll I'll call my buddies How at Caltech. How cool would that be? We'll work on that, folks. All right. Bye, Dr. Matt. I know he left a few minutes ago.
2: Yeah, he's got he's probably got babies crying. Didn't he have We're, a
1: baby last year? He
2: did. We're yeah. droning on here, an hour and twelve in, and we didn't even do you know emails or anything. Do you want to do one wine news? Let's do no no. You, you that was a good wine news. You. Did. I got let's, another let's, one
1: here, real quick. No no. Let's Sure, no, sure, sure. No,
2: no, 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 just no, the, just the no. headline. Wait, wait, wait.
1: No, one. Just,
2: just the headline. What? Just the headline.
3: Oh, gosh.
2: All right. You can tell who the roost here. <laughs> wait a second. We're going to take him down there. Okay, the, the other guy is totally muted at this point. <laughs> All right, we'll put you back on the air. Um, this news comes out of Australia uh, apparently, some researchers have concluded that uh, men should have no more than two drinks a day, but the uh, winemakers... Mm, that's absurd. Uh, that's exactly right. The Winemakers Federation of Australia, the WFA, says the draft guidelines are wrong. <laughs> that two drinks a day is wrong. That, uh, frankly, the original recommendation of, uh, of four drinks a day was more on track. And uh, I just want to say, I think maybe six or eight is Cheers. You know yep. more,
1: and the Australian Open. I'm a tennis. I'm a tennis track. fanatic, by the way. Is going on now, and what a, that's and, and they are they are producing some world world class reds and whites, and uh, cool country, cool place to visit. One of these days, I'm going to make it down there. Okay, we're running a little long. We want to do two two, two things before we uh, sign off here. Um, hit one email if you would sir and then i wanted if uh, who all's out there yet is david still out there uh, yeah mad? david's still there we'll we'll, let's, sing along. we'll, we'll uh, say hello to david and alpha king and whoever wants to we should just open up the mics because it's our first show back in 08 so if you have one email i do i'm i'm limiting him to <laughs> one which is like you know putting a, a bottle cap on a new... all bottle, right so
2: we just uh, cut him off there and no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to go with two emails um, because they're both short. I want to uh, g- do a big shout out to uh, Yola Charles. I think that's how we say it, uh, Charles uh, Charles M. Who just for Wait no minute.
3: Yola
1: Yola Charles.
2: Charles that's and, then, his, and
1: then how did you get Charles M? You're confusing me. Well, his
2: email. What's his first is- name? <laughs> well, his email address is YolaCharles at msn dot com. Oh, all right. But then he signs as Charles, um, I'll just say M. Okay. Um, and Now I got you. for no particular reason, Charles sent us $5 on PayPal. Just, uh, you know what? Um, uh, I love your show. Click here to claim your payment. Five bucks. So, wow. Um, there you go. Just for no particular reason. So I wanted to encourage our thousands of listeners... <laughs> For no. Hello, Charles. Follow Charles, really.
3: Follow
2: Charles really. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So thank you, Charles. Just $5 for Did no really? for particular reason to sell our dwellers That's at talkshow.com. I'll pay down. I'll send Charles a bottle of oh, wine. Oh, man. Charles if, you're, Charles, if you're out there. because we've been
1: promising wine for a year and a half to folks that we have to go to. Exactly.
2: We We actually have a, a stack list of, of people we're going to send this. to. So, Charles, way yeah. to go. All right, and then I'll just uh, – this one from Chris, uh, Chris W., who says, just wondering if you're attending the Winemaker Conference in Sonoma
1: oh, on May
2: 16th and 17th, since Peter Wouldn't Brem is one fun. of the keynote speakers. Uh, he's also trying to organize a tour on the 15th and, uh, 14th and 15th for his customers. Of some area vineyards he buys from, uh, this would be a great chance to meet the growers of the grapes we buy and learn a few things. I'm really looking forward to it. I uh, Hope you guys will be there too. Should be great. Uh, Chris W from Pompano Beach, Florida.
3: Wow.
1: So
2: Chris, I think that the, the gauntlet is down. Uh, on the right track. Ah, uh, we're there gonna, we go.
1: We're going to plant. We're going we're to start planning that.
2: I, I really like the idea of a trip in May. And uh, maybe we should close up. W- the Where is that in
1: California? Sonoma? Was that, is that uh, right? Yeah,
2: up in the Sonoma well, area. Oh, Absolutely. So Absolutely. uh, uh where, where did our uh, winemaker magazine go? You got it, it over there? Because oh, yeah, there was I one think. other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, oh, these guys gosh, are great yet sponsors. Yet another thing. Here we go. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, looking yeah, forward yeah, to... Uh, I've still got several pieces of the salami yeah. over here to eat. So, Do you really? Yeah, Sonoma County, May 16th, 17th. Uh, winemaker magazine had that. And... Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention they had is something we need to talk about ourselves for a second here. Uh, The wine label competition. Oh, they have a lot. Yeah, well, so they got the wine maker competition. You know, go to competition at winemakermag.com to enter that, and uh, we can give you the uh, address. And I'm not finding the label competition here, but. Uh, this this magazine is full of so much stuff if you are an author.
1: Awesome if, if you go to their, label, their website you'll find I'm their sure you will. label
2: competition. i Yeah, they got a whole label I don't know competition. when the deadline is for that, but we we do that. We need, to, we need, that need to run our own label competition yeah. and just send in your we label on a that. bottle of your wine, not separate. We don't want just like the PDF. They or really
1: can't just send JPEG. the label.
2: I think they have got to send the label on a bottle of wine. What do you say? Are you with me here? It's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. All right, we're going to debate this one offline. We'll come back. To the next we're, we're going to have one
1: it. entry, and uh, he's going to get the silver, uh, the
2: silver, the gold medal. That's uh, <laughs> that's going to be my entry. So, uh, send your wine to uh, seller. No, demand. I, 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 I the no, no, for
1: the, for Email the, your bottles to us. No, for the label competition, I think they should be able to just. JPEG it to us. All right, whatever. I tell you what.
2: Between now and next show, let's come up with a f- the formal rules for the label competition. Which we did promise. I know a long time ago we promised ago, a lot of but stuff, but we do want to do that. All right. And so let's close out the show here with. Uh, let's see. We've got. Uh, we didn't do any idioms here. Uh, we didn't, but that's okay. That's okay. our show this back is... in a while. We'll play the idiom alert, just you know, so people can. The numbers guide shall now consult thine holy book of, of idioms. Or not. So no idioms tonight. We just for, love that. Yeah, it's a great mm. uh, great theme, David. You cool. did a phenomenal job. And uh, we do have several idioms we're going to talk about, but uh, next show... So let's close out on this one. If you want to work in the wine industry, there awesome are... jobs! Wine, the job wine jobs duck. segment of the show. Um, yes, I think we're both going to have wine jobs for our Eventually. lives.
1: At some point I in our lives, think I think, we think you're will. right.
2: This is for a marketing assistant in Beverly Hills, California. I mean, what's better than that? You're working in Beverly Hills, California. A lot in of, the of fake wine jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything.
1: Marie Antoinette's it, boob... Yeah, it's so not a requirement.
2: Globalist. Well, actually, maybe it is a requirement for the job here. But anyway, here's what it says. And where are you going to go with this one? The, the, it says, job description, Heck Estates. <laughs> oh, wait, you're a marketing assistant <laughs> at he- Heck Estates. What the heck? What the heck? I think, you know what? Well, how could you not how with could what the they? heck?
3: Exactly. Right, what right, the heck? Like.
2: That is like a total natural. <laughs> so any oh, of you... Right out there who want to apply for the job can claim that you came up with their new slogan, "What the heck?" And uh, "What the heck?" in Beverly Hills is seeking a proficient marketing assistant to oh, join gosh, our dynamic team. This position supports the marketing managers of Heck Estates.
3: <laughs> I
2: just don't want to go there. By providing. Exceptional administrative support. Applicants must be comfortable with uh, quickly shifting priorities, <laughs> which means your managers don't know what the hell is going on. Exactly. And a <laughs> workload to adapt to the fast-paced environment and the day-to-day diversity of our office. It oh, sounds that's like hysterical. heck. All right. So ideal candidates will have advanced writing and verbal skills as well as advanced knowledge of Microsoft Word, Excel, Outlook, PowerPoint project, etc. Internet savvy and experience with graphical design and layout is helpful, college coursework and proven success in marketing strongly desired. So you better be able to go in there and lie with the best of them. <laughs> you know, there's two things I got to say about marketing. That is fine. How can you tell when a marketing person is lying? You know, I don't I have no idea. Their lips are moving. Their lips are moving. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the other one I like is marketing is where the rubber meets the sky. <laughs> All right, uh, this is an eight-to-five job, although don't you believe it, that's what they say on yeah. the website, but you're going to be working sixteen hours right. a day, baby, and um, let's see, if you want to pursue this job, contact Crystal Peterson Corbell, Corbell Champagne sellers. Uh I guess that's Ooh, the uh, that's a parent big company for Heck Estates, uh, heck? that's C Peterson at C as in C P E T R S O N at Heck H E K E Estates E S T A T E S dot com three ten two four seven forty five sixty three that's a fax number for your resume. The future is now. Seize the opportunity. You can work for Heck. So you know what? Th- there are no boxes or limits in life. We put ourselves in boxes, but frankly. The future is yours. You can seize the moment, be what you want to be, do what you want to do. You can work in the wine industry if you want to. So, you know what? Do it. Have fun. Live. Seize the day. Enjoy yourself. Any closing thoughts that are passionate Well, ones,
1: just along those lines, and make some homemade wine. It oh. It is an experience it from is? start to finish that has just been, you know, as we've approached our 50s, we're both, not quite there, but we're yeah. Close.
2: One of us is closer than the other. I'm not yep. saying who, uh, but passionate one. <laughs> <laughs> See if I could only turn his mic off.
1: But it it is such a great um, hobby that encompasses all kinds of aspects of life. And you know, as you get a little bit older, just making this I, I have to share this over the holidays. I gave away probably 3 cases, 36 bottles of wine in total. Maybe probably more than that, but th- but 3 cases that I can I can remember. And I
2: bet you loved every Oh, and meal. and the
1: feedback from people, ah. it when they get that and they drink it and they call you back or they send you an email, I'm telling you, even if you only make 10 gallons, Give half, give half of it away. I mean, because and enjoy the other half because the joy that you get back from giving it away as a gift, uh, a a a process and a product that you put love and passion into, and a lot of science and technology too. um, It is extremely rewarding, and um, I just hope folks uh, take it to heart and get into making some homemade wine. Oh, Especially is, in 08 election year, we're going to need it. It's a blast. Uh,
2: yeah, you, <laughs> we're going to need a
3: lot of wine uh,
2: during election year. And I've got to say, the, the sausage, pepperoni, salami, whatever ah, you call it, uh, that amazing. Is, that is And we're going to jump into the sauerkraut and have a total blast with that. So uh, with that, I think it's time to go to the outro. We will be back in um, a couple of weeks. Remember, you can reach us here at... Uh, Sellerdwellers at talkshoe.com. Come check out our website at dot dot com. Uh we'll fire up the label contest on uh, the ning.com site. And uh mostly we'd love it if you join us live as uh Chris, Silver Wings, uh Winemaker O Six, Reloader, uh Carly Twenty Nine, uh Dr. Matt, Alpha, Alpha King, King, David uh, Ray, um, Notman132, Druid65, Professor Mirth, Radio America, and uh, cool. many others did tonight. So uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, let's go to the outro. and Thank you, uh, thank you, thank you. You're looking forward to 08. So great to be back. Make it a great year. Back on the air. Uh, get back into home winemaking It is the most fun hobby. I'm Dave, and you are? The other guy. Cheers. Cheers.